Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reckless Speculation. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. All my guys that tell you, like, I care about you as a person. And if something is wrong, if I can fix it, I'm going to try to fix it. If you need help in any way, shape, or form, I'm going to try to help you. That's where... um, the difference is it's basketball is basketball i know if i do your job right at the absolute best that's what i try to do with my guys and my team gentlemen what's happening how are you that was jimmy that was insincere. yeah it's good to hear from jimmy that Paul was insincere judd right there how are you oh, <laughs> oh very sincere i was just so thrilled by, by hearing brett Favre that it, it spoiled my day to have to hear jimmy butler now as well, Jimmy Butler, yeah, like Jimmy Butler, maybe he spoke at length on a teammate's podcast. JJ Redick has an NBA and whatever mm-hmm. interview podcast on the ringer. It's a great podcast. Cat's been on there. I think Cat was on there yep. last year when the Sixers came in yeah. town. They did one. Yeah. Yeah. And he does a, a great now. Uh, Richard Jefferson had one when he played for the Cavs. And I don't know if it was on the ringers network or somewhere else, but but he would interview teammates and opponents and stuff. So we have a couple of clips. I think we should just play a couple of these clips. Well, one of them's like five minutes, so we'll pause it as we go through. But Jimmy Butler opening up about the stuff that happened behind the scenes with the Timberwolves, the infamous practice, and everything that went down from a trade perspective. This first clip is Jimmy Butler. So J.J. Redick asked him about the trade request and how everything went down throughout the course of the summer. And Jimmy sets the record straight here. Everything's not what it seems. Everybody was like, why did he wait? What I asked myself that question yeah, no. a dozen times no. when I when this story broke. It was it was like the night before training camp opened, right? The, a, couple, the wo- a, couple, a couple days, but yeah. yeah. Woj broke the story on ESPN. That's not that's not how it but goes. But that's not what happened. Because that's from the outside looking in. But if if you're the outside looking in, you don't know. That's what's the funny part about any and everything that comes out. It's always a source says or Something or something or something. It's never Jimmy Butler said or Tib said or none, none of that. It's never that. It's always a source. So, you know, the source said, oh, he waited a day. No, man. So you, you, would, you would talk to the Timberwolves. Yes. All summer. Yes. And they knew that you would like, you would have liked to have been traded. Yes. Now you have to look at it this way. I think everybody knows who I absolutely love and respect out of everybody in that organization, that person would be Tibbs. Tibbs. No doubt. So do you think that I just waited and just was like, you know what, Tibbs, here's the hammer. <laughs> Boom. Let me go. Right. No. But do you think Tibbs wanted to hear that? 
No. Exactly my point. So that was the the disconnect. It was like, man, it, that was one of the hardest things I had to do. I'm not going to lie to you. To tell my guy, to tell Tibbs, like, hey, this ain't it. And you know. Do you think he's telling the full truth and that Tibbs just ignored it? Yes. Ignored it. Ignored it. Because yes. I think he's telling the truth. Yep. I think he told him. I think he didn't fly back from Houston after the playoff series ended. And then I think shortly thereafter, he said it's not working out. And then I think after that, he said, I want to be traded. And Tibbs ignored it completely. That's the one thing where I don't think Jimmy is lying. And I also, I don't, under, he. it's almost as if he, he thinks that people still think he's lying about that because he keeps trying to emphasize it. But it's the one thing with Butler that I don't question. I think he looked at this whole thing and said, it doesn't work for me. And I, when that playoff series came to an end, I think he made it very clear. And it actually helps explain his actions that got much more theatrical. And we're going to dive into another clip here in a second about that infamous practice. But if he's telling the 100% truth, and back in April or May when the season ended, was it mid to late April or early May? April. Yep. And he goes to Tom Thibodeau maybe multiple times and says, I'm not feeling this. I don't want to be here. Not feeling this. I don't want to be here. And if that gets ignored throughout the entire summer, I'm not justifying the way that he pretends to be a leader and then really doesn't back it up with actual leadership traits. I think he's a fake leader. I think he's a guy who plays with passion. I think he's a guy who's an alpha, but that doesn't translate to being a great leader and a guy who can bring in young players and whatnot. But it helps explain, hey, I told you for three months this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. You're not listening. You're not listening. And he felt like he had to do something extreme just yeah. to get the organization to pay attention. It explains what happened. Tibbs ignored him. And and the worst part about the whole thing to me was I'm still convinced that Tibbs not only ignored him, but I don't think Tibbs told Glenn. I, I think Tibbs and Tibbs' heart thought, I'll fix this. Man. Yep. Jimmy will come around. Can you imagine not at least looping your owner in on that and saying, all right, we have a well, bit of a situation here. Where I How can we solve this no, problem? And, that, and that's where I, I thought Tibbs was insubordinate. And at the time, I said, I don't, I don't know. How can you trust Tibbs again after that? No. And if you're Glenn Taylor, yeah, if you're Glenn Taylor, and he withholds this crucially important piece of information from you the entire summer... Isn't that grounds for immediate termination unless you're just obsessed with getting something out of the $8 million you're paying him? Well, and listen, too. I remember when Tibbs got fired from Chicago and Gar Foreman, the GM of the of the Bulls, or I, I think he's president of basketball operations and John Paxson's the GM, but whatever. He went up and they, he was, they were, had the press conference after they fired Tibbs, and he basically talked about this lack of communication between him, you know, him and John Paxson and Tibbs. Like it just, that relationship just wasn't there. Tibbs just would basically go and go into his office and shut his door and wouldn't talk to anybody. Yeah. It's the yeah. same sort of thing. So, okay, it culminates now behind the scenes. This is the, this is, this is Jimmy Butler on JJ Reddick's podcast on the Ringer platform opening up. This is as much as he's, he opened up to Rachel Nichols right after this practice, but this is the most he's talked about the end of the Wolves run. Uh, to really anyone, because it's his teammate. It's, it's J.J. Reddick. So I'm going to attempt to, with my fat fingers, without uh, detonating this soundbite, to to play some. We can pause it, react. Jimmy Butler talking about what happened behind the scenes at that practice. Did they want you to practice with the first team? That was weird. I, I was getting it. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. I was getting with that. Because that doesn't, okay, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. I was, I'm getting to it. And so when we're sitting in there, I'm not going to drop any names of who said what, but there was people in there, and it's me. And, you know, we're going back and forth. 
it's not it's not really heated. It's not like a heated. We're, we're literally just talking. And then somebody says, you're going to practice. Now, first of all, I have a for real problem with authority. When somebody's telling me what to do as a grown man, I have a problem with it. So now you didn't lit the match, but ain't nothing on fire yet. You just lit the match. And I was like, first of all, you're not going to tell me what I'm going to do. If I choose to practice, I'll choose to practice. And I know that we're in Philly and the whole practice with AI thing is relevant, <laughs> but we're not going to get there. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't, I don't know just yet. And then he was like, no, you're going to practice. So now you're getting, you're getting that fire a little bit too close to me now. So I'm like, let me tell you something. If I'm a practice, I'll play with the, I'll come off the bench. Like I'll play with this the second group if I want to, as long as I'm out there in practice, boom. Okay. I'm going to pause this for just a second. Who do you think? Do you think it was Tom Thibodeau? No, I think it was Scott Layden. You think so? Yeah, I think that's why he yelled at, at Scott. Because he respects Tom Thibodeau. Yes. So the reports were that he was yelling at Scott Layden. That yes. makes sense. Yes. Yeah. That Layden would have told him, you're practicing. Yep. And he said, bleep you. Who and I could you? see Scott trying that. Okay. This person goes, no, you're going to play with the starters. Oh, there you go. You the got me now. No, I won't. I'm playing with third stringers. Now what? <laughs> and so now, you know, and I'm telling him, like, I don't think it's a good idea to do it because I know... Whenever I go in there, I'm trying to basically just prove a point. But you were on one. I was on one. You were on one. I, I was on one. <laughs> yeah. All because yeah. he lit the he lit the match. Yeah, okay. I, I would have been cool otherwise. So we go into the the practice, right? And I'm telling um Tiz, like Tiz, I just want to hoop. Like I just want to get up and down and see if I can go. And now uh, we start doing some drills. And at the end, we start we start hooping. Now that's when all of the stuff goes on. We play. We win, and um, I'm yapping, I'm yapping, I'm yapping. I always talk anyways. If you can't tell, I'm always talking, talking about how somebody can't guard me or nobody can beat me. One, I do that. That's what I do. This time, it was just a little bit different because of whose team I was on, and I ain't been around. So it was just like taking up a notch. And it- Has anyone else confirmed whether him with the threes actually did beat the ones? Or is, is, is it just him that's been saying that? Uh, like, can we confirm, were they actually keeping score, I, or is it just his ego? I seem to, okay, it, this depends, because it might have come from Jimmy at the time, but I seem to recall on the Lebetard show, one of their guys did talk to somebody who said he, he beat them. But oh, it, Stan I mean, Van, Stan Van Gundy. But it might have been... No, I think it was Amin Al-Hassan. Okay. But it might have been Jimmy as the source, mm-hmm. so it might have been BS. Okay, It didn't help who was watching, who was watching and like, you know, ownership, management, all of that good stuff. But the the thing that people overlook is the fact that nobody would know what went on in practice if somebody didn't go say word for word what I said. <laughs> like, who does that? That's like us practicing right now. And then as soon as we get over to practice, you walk over and be like, man, uh, Jimmy told coach a, a joke today. And it started with knock, knock. It was just like, like, why would you go tell word for word what was said and what happened? When, it, when, have, you, when have you seen that? To- okay, that's where he's delusional. Okay, it's not everyone loves you and they just like, they certain players on the team and people in the organization hated what he brought dynamically, hated the way that it was playing out, and wanted the situation to be over. And the only way to do that was to tell the public, hey, this guy's a maniac and needs to be kicked off the team. He's tipping his hand. He was the source. It was him. He's full of it. He thinks people are dumb. He thinks he's hmm, really, really smart. Twist. Okay. He's the source. He. There's no question in my mind because nothing that he, nothing that was leaked, makes him look weak. 
Everything made him look strong. He yelled mm-hmm. at Layden. He he said, "You can't bleep and win without everything." Andrew Wiggins went for the hand dab even yes, after getting every, crapped on all practice. Everything that was leaked made him look like the alpha. He guarded and in, cat in the practice. And in his mind, as long as he's the alpha, he wins. Win somebody, but even ideally, that, ideally, JJ, things should be kept internal. I agree. I agree. Even more than that, why would you say? He beat you with the third stringers. That's the I, I wouldn't even say that. That that was the part that got me. It was like, man, I'm not I'm not going and saying that. So then I had the interview set up three weeks ago for that night. Now when it broke, Rach was like, you know, we got to talk about this yeah. now. And I was yeah. like, man, here we go. And as the interview is going on, more and more stuff is coming out. Like boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom, boom. And I mean. It wasn't meant to get all the way out like that. It just, it just happened. And as you and I know, you know, these type of things as they're happening in real time, NBA Twitter just oh, eats it up. Crazy. They just. If Woe says it, it happened. That's the- I love how the players love NBA Twitter as much as the fans and the media. Isn't that kind of funny? <laughs> yes. That, like they're all just like, well, Woe said this. Yeah. And Rake Woj, said this. If yeah. Woe said it, it's not true unless I leaked it. Part that pisses me off. It's just like Woe, Woe. I was like, man. I would have Nobody liked knows. I would have liked to have been not necessarily on the court with you that day, but just in that gym. Like what the was it uncomfortable? Or was it just people like, oh no, it's just Jimmy being Jimmy? Or like what what the way it was sort of recited in the media, it it seemed like it would be it would be a little a little sweaty, a little balmy in there, a little a little uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't know. This is competing. Okay. If, if if you love to compete, you would have you would have thrived in the environment. Okay. Like seriously, it's like we're going to beat this individual, you know. And I don't think anybody said that individual. It might have been a, a what's a, a synonym that means something else for individual to point yeah. towards me. Like everybody wanted yeah. to beat me to show. Yeah. But that the crazy part is the most interesting detail wasn't told. The most interesting detail of that whole scrimmage that nobody knows. I only shot the ball once. Really. I only shot the ball one time. I only shot the ball once. But every quote coming out of there is like Jimmy was getting buckets and he was dominating. I was dominating. <laughs> but I only shot the ball once. Dimes. Boom, boom, boom. Steals. Blocks. I only shot the ball one time. He's, I love him, but I would never want him on any of my favorite teams ever again. Do you really love him? I think he's a character. Well, he's a character. I think he's a joy to watch on the basketball court. And I think he's one of the 15 best players in the NBA when he's on the court, which is is more and more. (laughs) About 60 times a year. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But I don't need someone with a head that big in a pretty small room who's not LeBron. Like if LeBron James, Kobe Bryant had a head that big, but Kobe Bryant was legit one of the greatest players of all time. Jimmy Butler's second tier player with a Kobe Bryant ego. He is. He is without question delusional. He is. He's just, he is. I, I'm with you on, in what we do, he's fun to cover because he's a character, but he's delusional. You know who else is delusional? We'll tell you when we come back. Because I got a couple things to say about a baseball player in town. Becky and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic in the TCL Broadcast Studios, 94 eastbound. We've got a crash in Minneapolis. Uh, It's causing a five-minute delay. And uh, Judd, guess what? 
You called it. It was. It's uh, just east of the Lowry Tunnel. Yes, I got. It. I mean, I'm not happy about it, but I did call it. So yeah, near 35W and and all that good stuff. Also, uh, 694 eastbound. We've got a crash uh, in Oakdale uh, between 10th Street North and uh, the 494 94 interchange. Gentlemen, do you feel like you're? I mean, you're past auditioning for this team, right? You, you don't have to go to spring training or a job. Do you? Apparently so. So I look at it. I ain't finished the year here. That was Byron Buxton. Oh yeah. Unless something got lost in translation there with the tone, we're gonna play a couple other sound bites here too. But that's uh, that was John Shipley from the Pioneer Press. I got Ship asking that question. You feel like you have to audition for the, the the job in center field? You've been here for four years. Do you feel like you're? I mean, you're past auditioning for this team, right? You, you don't have to go to spring training or a job. Do you? Apparently so. So I look at it. I ain't finished the year here. Okay, felt like kind of a kind of a little shot at the front office. Apparently, I have to audition. Yeah, play, no, okay. play the top one. Okay. It's business. They did what they did. I do what I do. At the end of the day. I'm still going to keep playing hard. Still want to play in Minnesota. Still want to play beside my teammates. It's all that matters. Were you um... pissed? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I ain't sugarcoating nothing. Simple as that. Yeah. Surprised? Shocked? Was I? Yes. Yeah, you had, I was. You had no inkling that none. Okay, so he admits he was pissed, quote unquote. Yes. When the Twins decided to not bring him up as a September call up. What am I missing here? Because he was terrible last season. 156. He was terrible. Yeah. You you don't just get to stay in the major leagues and like, get a free pass in the major leagues hitting 156. What you're, what you're potentially missing is what I missed when, when I criticized the Twins for not calling him up on September 1st. And I still think it was a weird move. Um but if he's go, but if he's going to apply himself now, if this is the shove that was necessary. It could be a genius move, and I have no idea if it's going to work or not. But I don't know I, if it was like genius. They just didn't call a guy but, up who was terrible. Right. But what I what I'm saying about Byron Buxton is the two sound bites that you just played back to back. I've never heard him like that before. And if this is the push or the shove that's going to to help him, then it was absolutely correct. Uh, I thought that he would go into a cocoon more because he's sort of a he's always been sort of a shy. He doesn't seem like like the most self confident guy. But if this is going to help him, great. I have no idea if it will or not, but I, I would much rather him be mad about it yeah. than to be like, well, I didn't get called up and I'm just, I am sort of angry. I just don't get, I, I see what you're saying. And I like that there's a fire there and maybe maybe this is what, but sometimes in baseball, it's not fire that you need. It's ability to identify a slider is what you need. I'm looking for you know? anything here. Like in football, you might be right. I want Bryant McKinney to show more fire, right? Mm-hmm. I want, I want, uh, who is the other guy? Matt Khalil to show more fire because if he shows more fire, he can maul somebody. Byron Buxton, I don't want him to show more fire. He plays with fire. I want him to show the ability to not swing at a pitch eight feet off the plate right. with two yeah. strikes. And, and the thing, the thing with Buxton that's concerning about his lack of progress and or the fact that he just can't hit is I don't think it ever has come down to work. Like I think he wants it. With Miguel Sano, you look at, at, at him and say, dude, if you applied yourself, you could be really, really good. And I feel like he's not applying himself on, on a consistent basis. He's gotten too fat. He, I don't know that he consistently cares. Byron Buxton, I think, cares deeply. So we're grabbing a straws here. But why, I guess my question to him would be, I understand why you're frustrated by a situation, but it's almost like with these answers, 
He's projecting it back on the front office. Oh, apparently I have to compete for a job. Well, yeah. You literally hit 156 last year, which actually I thought it would be kind of fun for you guys. You know, Judd, Manny, Jonathan, I thought it would be kind of fun if we fired up a little game here. Just a friendly game of... A friendly game of, is it Byron Buxton's batting average or his listed playing weight? Okay. Okay? <laughs> all right. All right. I'm all in. Is it, Let's do this. Is it, is it Byron Buxton's batting average or his listed weight? Better watch right? out. Of, 120, 122. Yep. 122. Is it a Byron Buxton batting average or a listed weight? That's Just like anybody's listed weight? No, it's it was his batting average in the month of May last year is what okay. it was. The, okay. the last month he's played in all the right. major league. Okay, okay. now we got right. it. Now we're going to get them all right. All right. Uh, what about 230? 230. Is it a listed weight for Byron Buxton or is it a batting average? That's a batting average. That's a batting, That's average. batting average. That's his career batting average through a thousand plate Give appearances. Give us the dinger. Right? Oh, I have... Manny's gonna have to hit the dinger. Give on us the a game ding. Show. We got yeah. it right. Yeah, because I've got the the music playing. Okay, here, sorry, right? I didn't realize. Can't right. do both. Is uh, two sixteen? Is two sixteen a Byron Buxton batting average or a listed weight? That's a batting average again. Yeah, I I'm gonna say batting, batting, batting average. average. That's his batting average in the first half of the 2017 season. Go ahead, keep you making him mad. Fire, right? Keep making right. him mad. Okay, what about one one ninety? That's a weight. That's, that's weight. his weight. Yeah. That's his weight. You guys, see, yeah, you guys. We're good at this game. Nice job. Congratulations. <laughs> you guys. Do we win something? Yes, you win a trip to a trip to see Byron Buxton in Rochester again. <laughs> trip to, in trip to see Byron Buxton fight uh, fight Derek Falvey. Twelve rounds. And I am a Byron Buxton apologist. I say this. This is tough love for me. I I would put him in center field to start the year. I don't care what he does. Now, if he goes 0 for 40 in spring training, then maybe you have to readjust. But he's my starting center fielder on opening day. I still think he has star potential. I think we can throw the Mike Trout comparisons out the window at this point. But I still think he could be a rock-solid, even all-star caliber player. But I don't need him showing up to a charity event after hitting 156, like bitching about not being called up in September. He Dude, said, come on. He said pissed off. It was great. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. And, And I'm not ready to write him off. Either, but he's going to be 25 years old. Was it Tuesday? This yeah. coming Tuesday, yeah, he's, he's going to be 25. Yes, that's that's kind of a that's an eyebrow raiser, where you're like, oh, he's going to be 25. Yeah, and it's and on it's, Tuesday. Like, they called him up time. when he was 21, mm-hmm. and you know you're never going to get those four years back. Or you thought you call him up when he's 21, and if he's an if he's an impact player right away, you get him. For four years before most guys even get called up, and maybe maybe by the time he's in his mid twenties, he's this MVP candidate caliber player, and like here he is, like Manny just said, he's twenty five years old. Oh, he's a lot. He's falling behind now. But he has. My point is, he has lost all of these years of, you know, he he, they they could have gotten so much value out of him. Now he's going to be a free agent in like two years or three years, and if he gets good, watch him get really good. For the next years, and then it's time to pay him like twenty million dollars a year. That's what I want to see. I want to see him be so mad now that he actually comes back. He gets good, and then says, "I'm signing with the Dodgers." But you got three really good years. <laughs> I've got a question for you guys. So he was called up when the hype on him was kind of getting through the roof because social media is kind of a thing, and we can follow anybody wherever they are. Mm-hmm. If social media wasn't a thing, do you think he sits down there for another two years till he's twenty three, till he's more oh, mature? Man. That's a good question. I think I it played think, a role. Yeah. I don't think Terry Ryan bought into the social. I don't think the twins but under the hype, Terry Ryan bought the hype into that. Ma- the hype machine did help him along. Yeah. 
Like like without if Baseball America is still your your Bible for prospects and it's showing up in your mailbox and that's how you find out about Byron Buxton, does he stay down for at least another year? I think the answer might be yes. Yeah. Uh, this is what he. Uh, play one more clip here. This is Byron Buxton on the relationship between him and the front office. You expected to be back here in September. Did. How did they tell you? Uh, kind of didn't go over well, so I really not. Say anything about it because okay. we didn't pass the page. You know, it's it's more about us getting back together, getting this season going. You know, I'm pretty pumped, ready to get the season going, ready to get me meet the coaches. You know, we got a whole new coaching staff, so just kind of me personal. I stayed in my own lane, worried about myself, and focused on my off season. And you know, whenever spring training comes, I'm ready to go, do what I need to do. They, the Twins feel like they have. Like you say, have kind of smoothed things over, have gotten you back I mean, on the same page. Have... I wouldn't say we on the same page, but I ain't gonna cause hectic between us because I want to be here. That's mm-hmm. so why I started my career. That's why I want to finish my career. That's where my teammates, my brothers are. So, I mean, kind of is what it is. I mean, I'm just, I'm literally laughing at these quotes, and I want, I want to love him, and I think he's gonna, I, I think he has star potential still. But what page are you guys not on? Okay. The page that the twins are on is we think you're incredible with the glove, but we can't put a 150 hitter in the lineup who strikes out four times every game. That's the page that we're on. We're the twins. Right. If like what But you could have called him up. I mean, you didn't because of his contract, but you could have called him up on September first. He had started to hit his season had been totally screwed up. You he could have called for a week at triple A. You could but you could have called him up. And they didn't because of the contract. And I get that. But I but listen, is there any downside to the fact that he is PO'd? Like, is there any downside to, to that? I'd much rather no. have him say, I'm upset than, ah, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles for yeah. Byron Buxton. Poor me. The only downside would be if he got really good and remembered this three years from now. But I don't think... No, you, I'm all for that. But the twins thought, dude, you just need to go check out mentally for a while and we'll circle back in the winter. Now, Rocco Baldelli did say at the winter meetings today, he's going to actually travel to go see both Buxton, I believe in Georgia or Florida. I'm not sure where Buxton's staying. Um, and he's going to travel to see Miguel Sano in the Dominican Republic, unless he's going to travel somewhere else. But Baldelli's really? going to actually go and travel to see those guys this this winter still. And it, didn't they, uh, didn't Derek tell us on Friday that Sano is, that he's supposed to be in Florida in January this time? To report early. To, to report early, yeah. Like to come in for, as, as they, right. as sports teams and coaches and executives like to say, to get their eyes on him. So that <laughs> well, we can make sure. also videotaping his workouts, or he's supposed to be like sending out. He's got a body clone. <laughs> <laughs> My God, you look good. 210, you're chiseled. He, he, he comes in. Hey, I'm a little The way bit. technology is this day, these days, man, you can put somebody's face on anybody's body, man. <laughs> Who knows? Throwing it out there. He sends video, and it's like Saquon Barkley yes. or something. <laughs> We're doing, doing a lot of lower body work. Yep. He Jimmy sends just, video, it's just Terry Crews. Just yeah. doing <laughs> office linebacker. <laughs> Terry Crews. Uh, that's a Terry Crews reference there. Uh, let's get an update on this Gopher football situation. And we can also talk some Gopher basketball with Andy Greeter, our friend from the Pioneer Press. When we come back, the football hour is a half hour away. Matthew Collar, Rich Gannon. Luther Brookdale Toyota has some great stuff happening right now as part of Toyotathon, the biggest and best sales event of the year, and your chance to get into some really nice brand new Toyotas. I was actually over there yesterday, a uh, couple meetings and scoping some things out and getting the lowdown 
on some of these brand new vehicles. I'm so impressed with the 2018 Camry too. It's uh, it's amazing how in the last eight or nine years, and I've been a Camry guy for 15, 16 years, but it's gone from being a very, I don't know how to explain the old Camry, just really durable, family-like, and now it's got kind of a sporty edge to it where you, you kind of feel like a badass sitting behind the wheel of a Camry. So uh, they've changed the vibe on it over the last two or three different variations. You can see one for yourself on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. Stop in, see my friends at Luther Brookdale Toyota, and the website is LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN. Are you ready? Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We are ready. Now back to Mackie and John. Ready! On 1500 ESPN. Getting some angry emails. This one's from earlier in the show. You guys were talking Sano. You and Brian Murphy were talking Miguel Sano. And uh, we mentioned his girth. <laughs> you must have because Carter emailed in. Could all of your on-air quote-unquote talent please stop talking about Sano's weight with 10 exclamation points? Baseball is littered with big fellas who are also good to great players. And then he goes on to list a bunch of fat first basemen and DHs like Mo Vaughn, David Ortiz, and Cecil Fielder. Don't forget Boog Powell. Yeah. Uh, none of those do. Kent Herbeck. We're talking about a third baseman here. So I think with the Twins have him on a weight plan and he's 60 pounds heavier yeah. than the average third baseman, then weight does factor into the conversation. Now, if he's a DH then and he's and he's hitting, then weight probably then a lot of the goal. We're yeah. also talking about a guy who hit one ninety nine in two thousand eighteen. Right. Yeah. What do you mean? Like David Ortiz was fat and legendary. <laughs> so uh <laughs> Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studios, Andy Greeter uh, covers Gophers football and basketball for the Pioneer Press and TwinCities.com. And we'd love to dive into both of those things. What what can you tell us, Andy? What's what do you know? What's what's the latest information on uh, the handful or more of Gophers football players who are unlikely to play in the Quick Lane Bowl? Uh, there haven't been any developments today, um, but what I can tell you guys is that uh, they got in trouble after uh, winning Paul Bunyan's axe, and uh, PJ has, has said repeatedly that uh, he has a zero-tolerance policy, um, so I'd expect these players uh, to skip the Quick Lane Bowl at this time. Um, I know it's nothing uh, involving criminal activity. Uh, I think that's where people go, especially given where we were a couple of years ago uh, with the Holiday Bowl and the sexual misconduct and allegations of, of rape and, and uh, the, the uh, investigation from the Hennepin County uh, Attorney's Office. It's nothing of that ilk. It's uh, much lesser, but at the same time, serious enough to where uh, suspensions are being levied. So I get the fact that they won't play in the game, probably, and I really don't care about that, but did, did I also see that they're not going to be allowed to practice? Because I did think the one thing that this whole, you know, if you go to a ball game, the one thing every coach talks about is that month of practice time that teams don't get if they don't go to a ball game. Yeah, I mean, that's that's where the rub is, for sure. I mean, this, this team full of young players needs the time to, to get on the uh, practice field more, um, but it doesn't uh, doesn't jibe with uh, PJ's policy of uh, not allowing people to, to play if they do something wrong. Um, he very much looks at this as as a privilege, and uh, he's trying to set an example. And I think he routinely has to go back to, to setting an example and setting a, a hard line on things because he doesn't want to see this continue to happen. I think you know when this story breaks yesterday. 
it brings up recollections of, of what this program has become known for at the end of the Tracy Clays era. And I think he's trying desperately to change the, uh, the storyline when it comes to this program. And if he's taking a hard stance on something that isn't as severe as that, I think it sets the tone of where he wants to take things. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a detriment, uh, especially given the fact that, uh, this team is young and still developing and, and needs this time to be on the practice field. But Greeter, they just won the Axe. Come on. They weren't <laughs> even know. born when the Axe was lo- last here. I mean, can't we Can't we just for once, you know what, it was just a small thing probably. Can't we turn a blind <laughs> eye? They had the Axe. Yeah, so much for so much for momentum going into a ball game. Huh? I mean, it just, you, you try to have a nice thing, and then, you know, within a couple of weeks, it's, it's undercut. No, uh, no pun intended. Yeah, I think I think the the key the key takeaway is because people are wondering. All right, is this are we dealing with you know more criminal activity here, or is this and and it sounds like it's PJ Fleck setting a high bar for behavior uh, that whether it's criminal or not. I mean, I was telling these guys yesterday, if you failed to wear a polo shirt and sit in the first <laughs> row of class, he might he might legit suspend you for a bowl game. So. Yeah, I mean it's a little bit more measured than that. I think that okay. you know, based on based on my understanding is this is something that other programs uh would suspend for as well. Um but uh you know it's just something that uh uh needs to be addressed. You know, I think that uh there's certain things that you have to do as an athlete, um and if you don't meet those things, uh then this is where we're at. Yeah. Andy Greeter from TwinCities.com and the Pioneer Press. So uh, the the Gopher basketball team, I think if you were to ask most fans and maybe even Richard Pitino, once you get to this portion of the schedule past the the North Florida game where you've already played two conference games, take or leave a 9 and 2 record. And I think most people would say, "We'll take a 9 and 2 record." What are your impressions of of the start of the season for the Gophers? Um I think it's I think it's a good start. I think that you can see the cracks in this team though. I think you know, last night it was a very unimpressive win against a North Florida team that came in with a losing record that doesn't have a lot of quality uh, wins or opponents on its schedule. And, and the number one crack that I see is, obviously they were without Dupree McBrayer and they were out without Eric Curry for the 11th straight game. But when this team can't shoot the ball, when Gabe Kelser can't shoot and he goes you know, 0 for 8 from 3 and then 0 for 10 from the field, there's no one else that can shoot the ball from deep. And that's just a glaring hole on this team. And, you know, as you get into Big Ten play and those double teams continually find Jordan Murphy, they're going to need players to, to be able to knock down outside shots. And, and I know it was an off day based on what we've seen thus far uh, from Gabe Kelscher, the freshman out of Devo Sal, but when he's not going and you don't have uh, Dupree, who's also had a, a rough shooting start, we see the fact that this team can be in the, in the ballgame with a team that they should be beating handily. Curry's back when, do you think? Uh, you know what, I, I think that he's going to be back, um, you know, maybe the North Carolina A&T game in 10 days. I was surprised that they were bringing him, or Patino was talking as encouragingly he was about bringing him back last night, just given the fact that they had 10 extra days built into the schedule here for finals before they play their next game. Why not give him that time for able to get through and get a win? Uh, so I think they do want to try to get him back before Big Ten play starts. You know, they go to Madison on January 3rd, so there's a couple of games to work him back in. Maybe he's on a minute restriction. Maybe you know needs a little bit of contact in practice first. So I would think that he plays yet in 2018 um, if everything goes according to plan. 
Isaiah Washington last night, I get it's North Florida. It's a directional school from a directional hyphenated conference, conference but thir- 13 assists, that's how he should play, right? He, I, yeah. he, early in the year, he's going one for 10 from the field. Just get your teammates involved. And that I know that it's, again, it's a, it's a bad opponent, but that feels right. like a formula that might be able to translate, Andy? Yeah, absolutely. I just, I mean, he needs to put this together for a couple of games now. I mean, he had 11 assists in the, in the opener against Nebraska-Omaha. Now, another lesser foe, but he's been doing this at times before where he shows if he's a pass-first type of point guard and plays with pace and looks for options when he, you know, penetrates or brings the ball up, uh, you know, in, in kind of a transition-type setting, he can be a good player. And he had a bunch of zip-on passes and was looking to distribute, and that's what Patino wants to see. Now, if he's able to string these together in a few games, then, okay, we have something to go on with him. But it's been blips like this and then he falls off. I mean, he's, this is coming off a game against uh, Arkansas State where he played six minutes and was very ineffectual and almost got benched in the second half there. So he needs to put this together for multiple games before we can say, okay, this could be a point guard that can lead this team because I think uh, Amir Coffey's best off the ball without him bringing up the ball of the court. So if he can, if Isaiah Washington can respond to the challenge with Brock Stoll starting over him, with Dupree McBrayer out, and if he can put this consistently together, then we might have something with this team. Andy, how good can Daniel Oturu be? I mean, can he eventually become the best big man in the Big Ten? I think so. I mean, I think he needs to figure out some of the nuanced things. You know, I think he's kind of just basing all that he does on athleticism, but you're, you're able to see some of the shot blocking. You're able to see some of the, the size and rebounding in multiple double-doubles doubles in consecutive games. Yeah, I do think he has that kind of upside. But, uh, but again, I think it's different with Daniel than it is with Isaiah, where Daniel, this is his first taste, and he's very raw, where Isaiah has more background uh, of, of things that he should be able to do at this level uh, than, he, than Daniel does. But, yeah, I think he does have that kind of upside to be one of the best. Back to football, sir. Yes. What's your sense, uh, if there is a concern or feeling about the fact that we are seeing more and more players now, and I think we're up to two gopher players, skip right. meaningless bowl games? I don't mind it one bit, but is there a concern there? Do coaches care, or do coaches think, well, if a senior or a kid in the last year is going to leave my program now, that, that actually for that month of practice and game gives a younger player a chance to get some uh, time in? Well, I think when this first started to happen, I think you saw guys like Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey skip bowl games, and you said, okay, these guys are at the peak, first-round-type talent. You understand why they don't want to risk anything. I think in the Gophers' case, you're talking about Danell Green and Blake Cashman, guys that are lucky, going to be lucky to be drafted. So I think it's a little bit more eye-opening in the sense that these guys aren't guaranteed spots. These guys still need to be able to put together a body of work to show that they're draftable. Um, you know, in Danell's case, he has a very, you know, understandable reason. You know, he had meniscus surgery and wanted to advance, you know, a, a couple-month rehab process to be able to be ready for some of those mini camps, those rookie mini camps, if he doesn't get drafted. So he's able to show something right away. And playing in the bowl game, you know, hobbling around, I mean, he was a shell of himself at the end of the year and put together a good game against Wisconsin. But against Northwestern, he was – limping badly between plays. So it's understandable because he's been injured. Yeah. Blake has, has dealt with injury things in the past. I'm not exactly sure all that's going on with him. Uh, he's maybe a little bit more of a surprise because we don't have a known injury issue going on with him. Yeah. Andy Greeter, hey, thanks for the info. We'll talk soon. 
All right, thanks, guys. Andy Greeter from the Pioneer Press and TwinCities.com. So it's nothing with the Gopher football team. It's nothing criminal, no sexual assaults. I just want names. Who's not playing? I'm just curious. Well, you'll find out. I just want names. Give me names. You'll find out. I'm always curious about that. Why don't you throw a few names out recklessly? Because I don't want I don't want to get the station sued. We'll find out uh, December twenty sixth in I think Ford Field. I think you're scratched from your game program. I think you're right about that. Yeah, uh, the football hour is coming up quickly here with Matthew Collar and Rich Gannon. It's Mackie and Judd. People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout Woo! on fifteen hundred ESPN. If- Mackie and Judd are back. Start churning butter and put on your church shoes, little sister, because we're about to blast off. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic again. We still got that crash just east of the Lowry Tunnel. It's causing an eight-minute delay now. It's uh, near 35W in Minneapolis, 94 eastbound. And uh, 35W southbound, we've got a crash near Moundsview between Highway 10 and... uh, Highway 910, so that's causing a four-minute delay. Thank you, Manny. Football hour coming up, but let's call it the football hour pregame show here for the next few minutes because you guys found... So TMZ, where did TMZ catch up with Brett Favre at? It looked like he was at his home. (laughs) Like they they Skyped him. Okay. Oh, they so they had him on their was it yeah. their TMZ live show? Their TMZ sports show oh, or whatever. Right. He was at his home in Hattiesburg, man. Looked like it. Okay. Was I at home? Maybe. I thought <laughs> I, I guess I kind of envisioned that they were like staking out his house. Or the airport. Well, the Packers coach got fired. So this is Brett Favre on uh, whether or not he'd want to coach the Packers. Right? Yeah, basically, yes. Okay. Yeah, you know, uh yeah, I could. No. Will I do it? I, who knows? Uh, I, I've learned to never say never. Um, I, I had a, a, a great time uh, coaching two years of high school football. Now, that's a far cry from, from you know, the professional uh, aspect of it. But it was fun. It was rewarding. Uh, and, it you know, it, it was challenging. And I do feel like that I have a lot to, to offer the – you know, the next level and the next level after that. Uh, but there's an aspect of time that I'm not willing to give up at this point. Um, and, you know, as a, as a college and pro coach, there's, there's very little time devoted to anything other than football. And right now I'm not willing to give up that time. I love how he leaves the door <laughs> wide open. Talks him, totally wide open. Talks himself completely in circles. Oh, man. And by the way... By the way, his precious time, he's got grandkids, okay? But his daughters are now in their 20s. His mm-hmm. o- oldest might be 30. Like, he's got nothing else to do. So th- this whole, uh, my time is very precious. Why, Brett, exactly? Because I go hunting. The poll, he's just the greatest. The poll results are very I, I interesting. I love the man. The, uh, the 1500 ESPN uh, Twitter account has a poll up here from earlier in the show. Do you want Brett Favre as the next Vikings coach? <laughs> and uh, 51% said nope. Yep. Oh. But 32% said yes. I voted yes. And 17% just voted Brett Favre. And that's what I voted for. <laughs> I voted for Brett Favre. It's either that or we want Bama. You know, if you ask me, if you ask me who the greater Packer quarterback is of all time, I would probably say Aaron Rodgers. I would too. But I totally get 
why like the Greg Jennings of the world and and people that played with both guys prefer Brett because it's just the, 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 the this stuff oh it's, impo- it's it's just it's brilliant it's great yeah it's impossible not to be drawn to him in in the sense that i mean think about that that quote he completely you can't get it, enough of it right but it's but it's truly nonsense of course it like is. Like it's complete not he asks himself a couple questions. He answers the he answers them with vague, very vague answers. He goes into I coached high school for a while. I enjoyed that. While talking about the Green Bay Packers job, it's nonsense, but it's somehow it's the I've always said, first of all, he's brilliant because he plays like aw shucks, I'm dumb mm-hmm. and he's not dumb. But the other thing is he's the most brilliantly likable, manipulative human being I've ever come across. Like he manipulates you and you're like, yeah, this is great. Do you think there is a non-zero, to steal a phrase from Wetmore, a non-zero chance that Brett Favre gets an interview? An inter- I'm not saying that he becomes the next Packers coach because it's not going to happen. Can you imagine him coaching Aaron Rodgers for the next four years? Or anybody. Does he, does he turn this into... Oh. Like does he get in? Does he sit down for an interview? Because he left the door. Listen to the first ten seconds of this. You know, uh, yeah, I could. <laughs> no, will I do it? Uh, who knows? <laughs> that's what I love. That's so him. That's got to be on the button bar from now on. Like that's Favre right there. You know, uh, yeah, I could. No, will I do it? Uh, who knows? Uh, I, I've learned to never say never. Like right there, <laughs> that whole that little sound, is that not the most Farvinian thing yes. ever? Okay, do you think he would be for one season? For one season, do you what what would happen if he took over a good team, not a train wrecky team, but if he actually took over, or if he took over the Packers and had Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback, Come, would he last the whole season? No, no he, he quit. quit. <laughs> he never <laughs> lasts. He quit. Do I enjoy doing this? Not really. Maybe. No, he it would not it would not work. I wonder if he could call plays though. If he could be a coordinator and be and be decent. He'd be a much better coordinator than I don't, the head guy, right? Cause, yeah, cuz I don't I don't buy for a second he'd be a good head coach, but I wonder if he could That's a good question. I don't if know. He could, if he could actually like put together a game plan and go out and I call could see plays it both ways. actually working. I could see it both ways. Mm-hmm. Where oh yeah, he's not bad or this is a complete disaster. Well, I I would think and I I guess you could go through and see what quarterbacks would seem to to always be the have the best chance to be offensive coordinators and be great at it because you you understand inherently the flow of a game and what a defense is doing and adjustments and you can see those things. So But can't you see Favre? It's fourth down. We're going for it. Just throw it up. <laughs> no, we need, but Brett, we, need, we need a play call. Brett, just draw, yeah, draw yeah, it up. Yeah, that's the play call. Just draw it up, Aaron. Yeah, I just get I, in the huddle and draw it up right in the field. I remember the year in 09 when I think NFL Network had him mic'd up for the game against the Lions. And so they were going through all sorts of parts of the game where he would just go over to Sidney Rice on the, on the sideline and just say, they can't cover you. Go just just run a go, run a go, Sydney. They can't cover you. Do you remember his first, the first game he played in '09 in Cleveland, mm-hmm. where there's a play where I think he audibles the whole thing and sent Sydney or Percy out, and basically, but you you can see it developing as he's at the line of scrimmage. He motions him one way and just throws the ball up, and of course it's caught, I believe, mm-hmm. but it's just so far, and I'm sure Childress was like, "Well, that's not the play," and he doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> He's the best. The gunslinger, man. You know, uh, yeah, I could. Now, will I do it? 
Who knows? <laughs> well, I love it. Who knows? I, I miss that guy. Just can't get enough, man. Maybe. Just can't get enough. The official football hour with Mackie and Judd is coming up shortly here. Uh, Rich Gannon's going to uh, going to join the show as he does on Wednesdays. And uh, Matthew Collar. Okay, how can the Vikings dust themselves off here? Kevin Stefanski, I'm guessing that guy's working double time this week. Probably hasn't slept. But what can they do with a new offensive coordinator? Let's start to uh, look ahead to this Dolphins game. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers! On 1500 ESPN. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 3. It was my first time traveling alone. Packed my car with hiking boots, a camera, and my dog Randy. I don't know what I was searching for. Maybe it was something new with adventure. Maybe it was the idea of vacation I would never expect, filled with wildlife, national parks, rivers. Whatever it was I set out to find, it was all there and more. Because there's so much South Dakota, so little time.